Welcome to The Spice of Life. I'm Chef Stefan, and today we have a special guest. The host, Steph- <laughs> Chef Matt. <laughs> Chef Matt, everyone. I'm He's a special here. guest today. He, he wanted people to, to know a little bit more information about him. So... Yeah, I, f- I figured, uh, you know, I'm interviewing a couple people. I figured, why not <laughs> interview the interviewer? Out of his, out of his own popular <laughs> opinion. So we are here to do that. Let's do so, it. So um, first off, who are you? Uh, my name is Matthew Laspisa. I'm from uh, Freehold, New Jersey, originally. Now, um, rumor has it that you also go by Mateo, but is your real name Matthew? My real name is Matthew. The only person that really calls me Matteo is my Italian grandfather who lives in Long Island, who's 93, actually. Mamma mia. Oh, yeah. A little bit of that. <laughs> now, is he full-on, like, Italian, or oh, is he, like, New York, like, I come mean, on, oh, Manny? No. Oh, or is no, he, like, no, no, full-on, no. like, no. Sicilian oh, he's, pizza? He's off the boat from Sicily, yeah. Was in the Italian army for a while. He's oh, no wow. joke. So is he old enough where he really took a boat over here? Oh, he's 93, yeah, 93. Wait, <laughs> I'm dead serious. So he like physically, th- did he go through like Ellis Island? I do not think it was legal. No, I think he came. I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was illegally. I think he came here um, illegally on a boat, uh, started working for, I forget the amount of years he was here for before he actually sent for my grandmother and um, my father, my aunt and my uncle who actually mm-hmm. came here. My dad was, I want to say like four or five. Um, my uncle was the older brother, uh, by a couple years. And then my aunt's younger. Then, then, then when they came over here, they moved to Brooklyn, New York. That's why you asked that question. Cause you know, I'm from my parents are from Brooklyn. I think I told you that Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I was born there, but I have no, uh, affiliation in Brooklyn. I kind of tell people, uh, you know, I'm born in Brooklyn cause it's kind of a proud thing to say, mm. but I'm from Jersey, but you're, but you're also half Jewish. I'm fully Jewish, but I am. Or your your mother is Jewish. My so mother's Jewish. Was, by birthright, according yes. to the Orthodox, <laughs> you're Jewish. I'm a Jew, but I'm also first generation Sicilian Italian for my father. So he was not raised Jewish. He was raised uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic. But um, when he married my mother, we were all raised Jewish. What's your preference for cooking? Like, do you have some like? Like you cook some good Italian food, but how's your Jewish? You're food? saying for my heritage cooking. My, what what, my, yeah. what is my cooking for my background? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I do a little both. I make a I make some really good, um, a, a really good uh, Italian dishes. Um, I make really good, you know, uh, Jewish. I make great um, brisket. I make a really good. I make really good lakas. Well, what's the secret to a good brisket? A secret to a good brisket, I think, is you need to uh, keep it moist while you're cooking it and cook it long enough where it's falling apart. I have a certain recipe where I use, um, I think I think a typical Jewish recipe, a lot of them use ketchup. Have you heard of this? I have. Okay. I, I don't. The only, uh, although my, my Jewish mother doesn't really cook that often. <laughs> she makes brisket sometimes, but she doesn't eat it. Yeah, my mom makes brisket. My mom does the the typical Jewish version of the ketchup. Uh, she'll put a bunch of vegetables underneath it and kind of just let it cook, I think, for about... So mine is like every pound, I do about 20 or 30 minutes a pound. So that's my that's how I kind of range it. But when you're doing it, uh, obviously you keep it covered for the first... Say it's uh, you're cooking for three hours, you cover it for two, 15, two and a half and then the last half hour or 45 minutes, you t- uncover it and you let it brown, let the top brown of it. Yeah, so you see, my mom actually takes like a Lipton, you know, the um, My the mom onion, does that. That's a Jewish the, thing. The that's a Jewish packet. thing. Yeah, they love the Lipton the onion, onion soup. They put onion it on the mix. brisket. Oh, my mom uses that for everything. She used that for that. She used that for the, my meatloaf when I was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what else can we use this for? Oh, we have chicken thighs. Let's throw that in there. <laughs> no, no, they, they love it. They, they love do. it. The they onion, love their onion. The onion. <laughs> it's incredible, but it's true. I'm like, let me see the sodium on this thing. Oh wow, all right, six thousand milligrams. No, I'm just kidding. But it's like the sodium is insane. The the sodium is insane, but it's good. It's delicious, but it's, it's, even it's, if it's even if you just mix it with simple sour cream. All right, so my 
getting away from this whole what I've what I've learned and what I've changed to is I don't do I don't use ketchup. I don't use the Lipton <laughs> onion soup mix. I do um I do I do a lot of onions, carrots, and I put um a lot of dry fruit while I'm cooking it. Like underneath what kind of dried fruit? Dates, um apricot, um golden raisins. So when I'm cook so I'll just salt and pepper the um, but, but you bring beef. it back to the homeland, though. Fun fact, when they refer to Israel as the land of milk and honey. Sure. Do you know what the honey actually is? I don't. What is it? Date honey. Is it really? That's well, there you it, go. That's what it refers to. All right. Now I'm feeling better about myself. Here we go. I am, <laughs> I am a real Jew. No, that's actually like surprisingly <laughs> like I'm like, oh, he's bringing it. He's bringing it back to ancient times, everyone. Yeah. No, it's you incredible. Even, you didn't even know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. So dates are... Because dates can sustain you for a while, and what's great is when you when you rehydrate them and you cook them, like I was doing with the brisket. So what I do is I put everything underneath it, and I'll put what I say: carrots, onions, um, dates, raisins, uh, maybe prunes, anything that's like nice and sweet naturally, a natural sweetener, right? People, the that's why the um, most of the Jewish women they put ketchup on because ketchup has a lot of sugar in it. But it's very unnatural. It's high fructose corn syrup. When you use this, all this dry, sh- this dry fruit and you cook it in the liquid that's coming out of the beef, mm-hmm. at the end of it, after the three hours goes by and you keep hydrating the beef, that's just salt and pepper. I sear, so I sear the beef before I even cook it in the oven with salt and pepper. So at the end of it, when you take all this out, I actually take a lot of the stuff out of the bottom. I actually do sweet potato too. I didn't say that, but I put sweet potato on the bottom too. I'll take everything out of the bottom uh, and I put it in a blender, and I basically I puree it, and I pour that all over the top of the beef, and talk about like a natural sweetener. I mean, think about all those things being blended up, and it's it's insane. It's like a, a stero- It's like ketchup on steroids. See, but it just sounds like a bit of a hassle to make. It's like, really not. You go to the store and you buy a bunch of dry fruit. You chop up a bunch of onions. You don't even have to like care about the size you're chopping them because they're going to caramelize anyway underneath the beef. Ca- get baby carrots. Throw them in there if you don't feel like peeling them. Uh, a couple sweet potatoes. Peeled or not peeled. You can go either way. You know what I mean? <laughs> you sear the brisket. You throw it on top of everything. Maybe a little bit of water on the bottom so the, the pan doesn't burn underneath. Mm-hmm. And then boom, three hours later, you throw, you throw something in a Vitamix. Blend it up, throw it on top. Or you can slice the beef after you let it sit for about a half hour or so. And then you pour all that liquid on top. That beef sucks up all that sweetness. See, I like I like smoking brisket. But Yeah, what, but not what, everybody has a smoker either. It's like I like smoking I like smoking everything, but so, who, so who we, has the opportunity to smoke stuff? So we used to in Jersey. We put in this grill, but it also came with like a wooden like smoking box. Sure. So I smoked brisket a few times. It was it was good. It's delicious. It's it's delicious. Any kind of meat like that is phenomenal to smoke. But here here's my one thing with brisket for all you Americans. Everybody forgets that brisket is a Jewish food. It's not American. It's a Jewish food. Yeah. Even Google it. <laughs> Just go on Google. <laughs> Even Wikipedia acknowledges it. This is like it. Jewish talk one on one we're doing right now. Hard. And, and we're I'm, going hard I'm, into I'm it. starting to acknowledge Wikipedia's legitimacy because every time I try to create a page for myself, they delete it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they won't they won't just let anybody make a page. Oh man. People listening right now are like, Wow, you guys are going Jewish hard right now. <laughs> yeah, we're repping. So um when did you start cooking? Uh started cooking. I mean, when I was a teenager, I started cooking, cooking. But um, I think when I st- when I was in high school, um, my first year of high school, I had an opportunity to go to vocational school because mm-hmm. I knew. I, I mean, I think I got to a point in my life where I wasn't really good in school. You know, I just I had a lot of uh, trouble with certain things growing up. I was very dyslexic. Um, other things stemmed from that, and uh, I just knew I wasn't going to be like going to a big college and going into finance or IT or anything like that. I knew I was going to be working with my hands um, and I had to learn a trade and some sort. And I knew that as a, at a young age because I knew I had, because all these problems I was having. So um, there was a really good vocational school uh, not far from my high school that 
there was a, a program I could do that was basically half of the day in high school. Uh, instead of doing certain classes like uh, home ec, um, I forget the other ones. Actually, I, I didn't even take a science. Like, did you guys have like a motor or um like um like car car stuff? Yes. Or so, wood shop? so this vocational school um that was not at my school. It was like maybe six miles away from my school. Mm-hmm. Um, it had all it had electrician, plumbing, um, wood shop. Um, a mechanic, but it also had baking, uh, and and cooking, which were two different ones. So as a freshman in high school, um, they give you the opportunity to try four. So I actually tried plumbing, electrician, baking, and cooking. Those were my four. I tried every um, quarter, which in high school you have di- four quarters in high school, right? Is that what it yes. is? Yeah. Are they called semester? Whatever they're called. A semester. Yeah. So marking period. There you go. Marking Marking period. period. So I would try. So for for my freshman year, I tried each one per period. And the last one I tried was cooking. And I was like, this is pretty cool. So my sophomore year, my sophomore, my junior, and my senior year, I got to go to a college credited vocational school. That's very important, too college credited vocational school that was half the day of my high school so for three years of my high school i took um a college credited um book um culinary class each year a different class so it was pretty cool mm-hmm. and that's what got me into going to culinary school and then eventually becoming a chef yeah see i i just liked going to home ec because they would <laughs> cook and then you got to eat the food i love that too i i love food and i realized like Yes, everyone likes eating, right? Mm-hmm. But who doesn't like somebody who knows how to cook everything you want to eat? So I, eventually, like when you're in high school too, like there's a few things you care about, right? It's like, for me, it was like playing sports, mm-hmm. girls, and like your future is like, you think about it, but it's not, it's not like, like I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. I really did. I'm like a kid in high school. I played American soccer. American soccer player. I was pretty good. I was pretty good, but I was kind of, jo- you know, I was joking myself to think that. But at the same time, I'm like, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll be, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be, I, I have a skill now. You know, I've never tried your cooking. That's sad. It's terrible. Yes. I, I've never received an invite to try some of this fancy brisket wow, or latkes. Call, calling me out on air. Unbelievable. I, I am. I'm calling you out and staring you in the eye. I know. I'm kind of uh, terrified right now. At the same time, I have to. Yeah, I have to make you something. Um, you do. I know. I have a tree nut allergy just for notes. <laughs> oh, okay, we're getting into that. <laughs> so that's a little bit about my um, my high school, and then I went to culinary school, and then the rest is kind of history. I so went all over the place. So after all your cooking experience and stuff, like, what is your favorite thing to cook? So, I mean, what I do now is what I really enjoy. I, you know, I, um, I like to try to make people aware of what they should be eating and what they shouldn't be eating as far as health goes. I can make anyone a chicken parm, you know, latkes, okay, all the stuff we're talking about. What's like about. your overall favorite thing? Like we're not talking about health or anything. Like you could cook anything right now. I like a nice eggplant parm. Eggplant parm. That's kind of my cheat that I usually make myself every so once in a while. Do you pan fry it or bake it? You gotta pan fry it. If you're gonna if you're gonna make something like that, you gotta you gotta go all out. I enjoy eggplant parm. Do you? Just just letting you know. Oh okay. <laughs> oh, so this is for you, is what you're saying? <laughs> you're not asking me these questions for anybody else but yourself. No, I I am. I'm asking so people know. <laughs> yes, I do. I enjoy. I love an eggplant parm. I'm a big fan. Now, are are you a fan of subs? Like when people take like those Italian like a meatball and chicken parm and put it on a sub? Uh, you know what? I'm not a big uh, if you know. I I always like an if I'm if I'm going to like a pizzeria or mm-hmm. a sandwich place, I would probably get a chicken parm meatball sub. I don't know. Meatballs are harder because you don't know what's going on with a meatball. Chicken's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a more of a chicken parm guy than a meatball guy, but subs in general i don't i i love cold cuts but they're so bad for you mm-hmm. that is probably something i would cheat to eat 
yeah, every see, once in a while. See, I, I, just, I just don't like cold cuts. But, I, but so because I, I, for, I forget who I was talking to, but they, they felt that when you put like chicken parm and all that stuff in a sub, it's like an insult to pasta. Who said that? I forget who I was talking to. Well, that guy's probably hardcore. Yeah, he's probably he probably bleeds olive oil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice paisan. Your your Evo. No, wait. Ex- yeah, Evo extra virgin olive oil. Yeah, I love it. Now here's the question about olive oil. Do you know what makes it extra virgin? What does make it extra virgin? I don't know. So when the olives are pressed, the first like. Out, the first bit of oil that comes out is called the extra virgin. Ah, uh, all right. I don't. I they're, don't not, <laughs> they're not extra. Not not having sex. No, no. I I, I only I, I only learned that when I was in Israel. We went to an olive oil factory, and the guy got really angry because I kept asking him how an olive loses its virginity. You know, it's really funny. Uh, my my father in law just. Uh, he just reached out to me. It was his birthday uh, two days ago, actually. Happy birthday, 81, to my father-in-law. Happy happy birthday to your father-in-law. Yeah, anyway. So he had, um, he always talks to these inter- really interesting people randomly. And mm-hmm. he, he spoke to this, uh, this woman, I think, who is a nutritionist, who's working with really interesting people. And she was saying that, I think she was talking to people, it wasn't, um, oh, people with MS, she was. This is what she does now. She actually tries to cure MS with health in some way. And one of the most interesting parts of the conversation I was having with him that he talked to her about was olive oil and how great it is for you and why Mediterraneans are living longer because of olive oil and how do you choose a good olive oil. Do you know how do you choose a good olive oil? I do not. Do you know if you drink an olive oil, do you know what it's supposed to feel like when it goes down if, if it's a good olive oil or not? Smooth, not acidic. Well, obviously, I didn't know the answer either, so it's not a big deal. But so basically, what he said is, she brought this like really high potent olive oil in, which is Mm -hmm. this is the way you could tell if an olive oil is better or worse. You drink it, you start coughing because it's very high, like pepper potency, Mm -hmm. and that's a really good olive oil. Did you know that? I did not. I didn't either. I had to share that. See, every time I went to an olive oil factory, the only thing that I paid attention to is when they spoke about the virginity. Because <laughs> I, I just think that that's so funny. You child. Like like asking <laughs> these these guys, and they just get so annoyed. But the funny thing is uh, people don't ask them these questions very often, but like my first thought, whenever I think of olive oil, I'm like, oh, I, I'm like, how do they get down? Yeah. Well, people. What uh, another thing he was telling me though is, um, excuse me. Um, so basically, it, when you buy olive oil at the store, right, and you mm. see some are lighter, some are darker. If you look at the ingredients, most of them say straight olive oil, but the fact of it is, it's not really just olive oil. You need to get a good olive oil to to have the you know the health facts of it. And these ones that we're buying from the stores sometimes not, aren't even olive oil, or they're not 100 percent olive oil. At least they're very, they're they're all diluted in some way. It's a scam. It is a scam. It's terrible. But you should be you should find try to find good olive oils from good places. So where where do you purchase your olive oil? So here's the thing. Now I, I I've been talking to some people about this in the last couple of days because of the conversation I did have with my father-in-law and. Um, there's this California olive oil from Whole Foods. It's a square bottle-ish. Um, I forget the name of it, but it, it looks like it's pretty solid. I've been doing a little research on it. And when I find the name, I'll bring it on next show uh, to talk about it, but I forget the name of it. I could try to look it up really quick. But Speaking of, all, of olive oil, I also like um, tomato and uh, buffalo mozzarella <laughs> with some balsamic and olive oil. Oh, okay, is that on the uh, spl- the menu? A splash of Why basil. Why don't you just make me a menu for yourself? That <laughs> might actually be a lot easier. <laughs> oh man, just just a splash of fresh basil. I I don't want to be too obnoxious. A splash of basil? I don't even know if that's possible. You you slice it. Uh, do I have to make it like a pesto to splash it on for you? No, I cannot eat pesto. Oh, here it is. Okay, I found the olive oil. What is this called? What do we got? Oh, it's actually called California. It's literally just called. Like, what does the package look like? Here, you explain the package. I was saying square, but what do you say? It's like okay. a green bottle. 
So it's a green. Um, uh, well, I don't know why I can't speak. It's <laughs> it's a green, like kind of rectangular bottle. It's made of glass. It says California Olive Ranch destination. Just so you know that it's not just a place; it's a destination. Yeah, I think it's a very. Or- it's, it's got on the back. There's two little indents. There's a black lid. There are 130 calories. Yeah, it's more most likely the more expensive olive oil when you go to Whole Foods. See, my problem with olive oil is it's not like the easiest to cook with because of like the burning temperature. But what do you, what are you cooking that it's burning? Um, Frying? Because you shouldn't fry with olive oil, obviously. But I know, I know that that's what a misconception is. Use canola, peanut. Have you ever cooked with duck fat? Uh, I have. It's delicious. But again, high, high, high burning for sure. Does, buck, the, the, does duck fat burn easily? I yeah, thought it doesn't. It does. No, it's... Uh, you know what? You're right. It doesn't burn as easily because you could fry with it, actually. Um, coconut oil is a good substitute for all this stuff, too. They're actually finding out now that coconut oil, I think it's like a carcinogen or something. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Plus, it's very high fat. Yeah, but it's a good fat, just like ol- just like uh, avocado and olive oil. Let me. Uh oh, we're Google. We're Google. It's a Google day. Oh yes, this is a Google day. We are here to inform the people. Yeah, we didn't look up stats beforehand. We're doing it on air. Perfect. Um, coconut oil. <laughs> Do you know what a good fat and a bad fat is? Yes. Okay. Yes, cracking here from Harvard University. So, cracking the coconut oil craze. The health benefits of coconut oil remain unproven, and these oils should never be used at high heat, as that creates carcinogens. And there's like a whole like 20-page thing, and then there's another thing from the NIH, and that's interesting. Send that to me, please. I will. I would love to read that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to save your life here. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good to me. I really am. I really am. All right, let's talk more about me. I like talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. The, the last time we recorded, first thing you said after was, did I talk enough? Yeah, let's keep talking about me. This is, I'm enjoying uh, talking about myself. Okay, <laughs> so um, so we've gotten into like your favorite thing to cook. Sure, favorite places to eat in Boston, New York City, the world. The world, wow! Like, um, where's the best place you've ever eaten? Where's the best place you eat in Boston? And where's the best place while you were in New York? All right, let's put ate? it in categories to make it easier for people. Um, let's stick with Boston right now. Boston, my favorite pizza in Boston would probably be Chow's in Chelsea. Which is incredible. We've heard that a few times. A few times. That's what people say. I agree with most people that say that. Um, What else we got? Favorite seafood place in Boston. Mm -hmm. I love Neptune Oyster. Neptune Oyster. In the North End. Another popular name. Great. Great spot. Awesome place. Uh, What else we got? Give me a category. Um, Chinese. So Chinese. That's your department. I'm not the big Chinese guy. Chinese is your department. That's where you got to jump in. I, I love think. Chinese. I just want to thank the Chinese people for coming <laughs> to America to deliver Chinese food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's p- it. part of that. Yeah. Plus, not, plus not the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus, plus the Chinese are statistically likely to be the highest earners in the U.S., but that's Asian Americans as a whole. Yeah. You're saying they, they're they, smarter than us. Is that what you're saying? They just bring so much to the country. Their food is fantastic. Yep. You know? Great. Like, like I'd rather have a good dumplings over a good cheeseburger any day. True, unless it's the Fourth of July, then America first. Yes, but um, always America first. But yes, uh, that day another for sure. category: sushi. Oh, I love sushi. Um, there's a few good sushi places. Uh, what do I like a lot? So there's a place in Southie that. I think everyone needs to go to once, but it's not a place you can. I th- the menu doesn't change a lot. It's a smaller mm-hmm. menu. What's it called? Um, it's called Fat Baby. Have you heard of this place? I have not. So it's called Fat Baby. It's kind of an Americanized sushi place, basically. I don't know if you understand what that means. 
they like do a lot of California spins. roll, like Philly no. rolls. So they a little bit of that, but they also do like um, they had like a braised uh, short rib roll once, which is kind of I thought I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but it was interesting to try. That actually sounds good because I don't eat fish. Oh, okay, so that would work for you then. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go like old school, ugh, there's one my wife loves. That I'm I'm, I'm not going to remember the name of it. She's going to kill me, but it's in Back Bay. Um, Dozo? Like, never heard of it. Dozo. I think it's called Dozo. Man, all right. Like, 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 are you talking like a place like you walk in? They're like Konnichiwa, and then when you no. leave, they're like Doma Arigato. No, not that, not that, not that authentic. Ah. I don't even know any of those. Do you know those places? No. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I cook so much. I, at home, mm-hmm. I make meals. Um, I I'll prep food for my wife, um, especially because she's pregnant now. For the entire week, so mm-hmm. I know what. You, so, I'm I'm a lunatic like that, and I like to know what she's eating and and what and what she's feeding my two children that are inside her zoo, and I like to know it's it's real food, it's organic, you know, it's nutritious in some way. So I try to make her food um, throughout the week because if mm-hmm. I know if I don't make her food throughout the week, she's either she she'll make herself so something, but most likely she's like you know frozen pizza or. So bowl of we're, cereal. we're segmenting a little bit off that. I, I, we right, had that back laid out for later. Okay. So um, now you're in New York City. Okay. Best breakfast spot? Oh, there's so many. There's so New York. It's hard to put in the specifics, but there's a place that I like to go um, for like a burger and a beer. Uh, it's called Fat Radish. I forget the exact location, but it, I think it's like. Um, east side but basically what it is is they make everything from scratch from the pickles to the ketchup Mm -hmm. to the mustard like everything their buns they get from up the street at a bakery their beef is from like just out of town so everything they do there is very simple but it's very good and like Mm -hmm. you know it's very uh farm to table-esque so that's a good spot if you want to get like a solid real everything What, what about like a nice dinner Nice, like a like a sit down. Yeah, like um, like a French, like something like that. So I, I worked so much in New York that I didn't have the time to like go, like spend four hundred dollars on a dinner. Also, I'm a chef, so I was spending my money on other things than dinner. I I would like to give my recommendation, Le Cirque. Le Cirque. Yes. Okay. I enjoy that place. Plus, Where is this? No clue. Somewhere in Manhattan. Okay. I don't know. I get like very lost. I'm a big fan of Uber. I don't know. Le Cirque, it's, they have great like Italian food. Yeah. They have, I think, hands down the best gazpacho I've ever had. But isn't gazpacho not Italian? Maybe it's French. Gazpacho is not Italian, no. Um, Yeah, I thought it was like Spanish. Um, I mean, pizza and bagels in New York are just the best thing. So, Le Cirque. But the nice thing is, it's I'm showing you a photo now. Oh, wow, they've added more locations in. But it's um, it looks like you're in, like, a circus tent. But it's, like, a really, like, fancy restaurant. But oh, they, yeah, it's beautiful. And then they've got, like, a spinoff restaurant as well that I forget what that's called. And that's got, like, 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 like cool, like, you know, like, the fancy stuff where it looks yeah. like circus stuff? I don't know. The food's so good. Like even on the plates, they've got like monkeys and stuff. But the food is delicious. So I so great he, bolognese. Here's my bolognese. If anyone, <laughs> bolognese. If anyone does go visit New York and they're staying in Midtown, because that's where basically where people go that are tourists, I would say they need to get out of Midtown. Mm-hmm. I think um, they get stuck there. A lot of people get stuck there, and, and the lights and all these. Get out of Midtown. Go to like dive bars in like the East Village or Chelsea, you know? Too the many hipsters in the East Village. So if you don't like hipsters, yeah, but don't hipsters go to the East Village. Don't go to, yeah, but hipsters make good food. You know, if you want a good bagel or a good piece <laughs> of pizza, go to the village or go, you know, and I know Cats is overrated, but it's still good as hell. Now, Cats is not overrated. Some people, some people go crazy. You and, said and Cat, Cats is the last like Jewish delicatessen. Jewish delicatessen. Cats stages, stages closed. Well, no, there's more than just cats there. Who? What else is open? There? Um, there's another one actually that's actually in Midtown. That's pretty good. I, fr- I can't think of the name. Are I can't you think of the stage. Names. No, 
I can't think of the name. Because I believe Cats is like the last one. A bunch of them shut down over the last few years. I understand that, but there's no way the Cats... The Cats is the most um, extravagant last one. The other ones are not as extravagant and not as well-known, but there's a lot of them. There's a place here that I'm actually going to try Monday called uh, by in Cambridge in Harvard Square called Our Fathers. Have you heard of this? I am not. It's, a, it's supposed to be a really good Jewish deli. Uh, it's right off Harvard Square. I'm like getting very hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That's what happens on the show. <laughs> Just thinking about food. All right, throw me another question, Stefan. Um, so, you know, we're going to segment off and then I'll go back to like your favorite international cuisine. So, um, sure. so are you married? I am married. <laughs> yes, I'm married. I've been married for almost two years now. Um, I met my wife uh, actually when I was a chef at a uh, private high school in Pennsylvania, and she was living here in Boston. And we met through a friend, and I know you don't want to hear this whole story, but uh, we actually spoke for about two months on the phone every day for an hour before we met each other. Really? Yeah. And... um yeah, it was crazy. We spoke for two uh, for an hour every day for two months, and then uh, we decided to meet each other. And we and her friend um, lives in New York with his with her husband, who actually I'm friends with too. So it was easier for mm-hmm. us to meet in New York. Uh, we did that I think twice, and then I came to Boston to meet her here. So I think we met each other. We saw each other for about three times, and I think we realized that. Um, you know, it was something serious, mm-hmm. something we wanted to pursue and move forward with. So I took the uh, the leap of faith and I moved to Boston, um, which one of my best friends actually lives in Melrose. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Melrose uh, to be closer to her um, and try to find a new job here. Um, and then um, I did. And then one thing led to another and um, engaged married and now, and now uh, you're about to repopulate the repopulate world. the world you're welcome world <laughs> <laughs> are you excited yeah i'm excited i'm very excited uh i think if um i wouldn't lie to you if i if i said i was just excited though i think there's a lot of nerves that are happening and other emotions like do you think you're gonna leave it at two because you've got twins coming I, I don't know i think i'm just gonna try to have as much as possible you know, <laughs> soon to be father of seven. So yeah, I don't know if we could pop, if we can keep popping them out. I think whatever, why not? <laughs> think Anna's gonna make you go to surrogacy, like find like a surrogate mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's doing great on this one. So I'm just hoping that uh, if we do get pregnant again, if uh, you know God lets us do that, um, yeah, I hope it goes the same way as it's going now. She's she's doing great. She's a, she's a superstar. So I gotta give her credit for that, especially with twins too. Yeah, I saw her a couple of days ago, and she's like eight months pregnant. She's nine now. Nine, so yeah. they're like... Yeah, probably any day now, or in a week, a week and a half latest, basically. So when this is posted, most likely you'll be a, you'll be a father. I'll be a father, and people can reach out to me and make fun of me as much as they want. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, since it's twins, have you started, like, preparing, like, matching outfits? Yeah, it, it, you know what? It's interesting. You, it's a good question. Are you going to match with the twins? I'm sure I won't, but I'm sure my wife will wait till I get dressed to ma- try to match them with me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm sure I'll get to that stage too where I'm like, all right, let's just let's get the same shoes. Let's get the Adidas All-Stars together mm. or something. So you're going to raise them for a year down here in the seaport, then you're going to move up to the suburbs, you think? Yeah, I think the plan is uh, we're going to stay here for a year. Um, I think it's just easier. Uh, we're, you know, it's a, we have a place that's all one level right now. It's a a two and a half bedroom. So it's easier for them to have a bedroom together. They're in the same, you know, they're literally a door away from us. Mm -hmm. I think if we bought a house right now, that'd be insane. Buying a new house, trying to figure all that out while we have twins, Mm -hmm. you know, new area, new, you know, new people. It's like, let's stay where we are. Let's figure it out here for now. See, I could see raising kids in Boston, but I don't think the seaport is like the best like child area. Well, there's a lot of questions. I mean, like, do you think you'd just move somewhere else in town, or you'd like go full on suburbs? Like, like the I'd love to. Like, I'd love to stay here, but there's a lot of questions they need to ask yourself when you stay here. Where they going to school at some point? You know, that's in a couple years, obviously. But um, you know, are do they have friends to play with around here? 
These um, days, you have to get ready for preschool like before they're born to get into like the good preschools. Yeah. Is have you have you met any problems with preschools? Have I haven't you? even. Uh, you're just bringing up questions now that just make me more nervous. I haven't done any of this stuff yet. No preschool stuff yet. Preschool stuff comes. You got to figure out when they're sleeping first before you think about what their preschools are. And then, you know, if you yeah. want to have help, you have to have, you have to figure out the help first. So we're interviewing people to figure out if if we need help for certain things. Yeah, we. My my parents sent my sister and I to like one of those like preschools. It wasn't like we had uniforms or anything, but like they made us take like Spanish and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good though. <laughs> like full I, on like math. So we had to learn all the planets, <laughs> dinosaurs. It's like the one thing that I wish my dad did when I was younger mm-hmm. uh, was teach me to speak Italian, but I never learned that. First language I spoke was Hungarian. Really? I used to have a Hungarian nanny. What do you? What? Give me some words. I do don't you know, know anything. Nothing. Oh, but you that, spoke. That's why it was when I was like two or three. But then that's crazy. You know, I'm partly Hungarian, right? I do not. Yeah, Romanian Hungarian. That's my other half. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think she was. Yeah, she was Hungarian. I don't know what happened to her. So were your grand your grandparents? Where are they from? Um, Europe. Oh, you don't really even know. So when I was born, my mom's parents were pa- had passed away, and okay. then. My dad's parents were alive, but they've been in the U.S. for, like, full-on, like, my grandma was, like, a full-on, like, Southern Belle. Okay. Like, I think they moved here in, like, early 1900s, and then my mom's family came. So, basically, you're, like, third-generation American from both sides. No, second. not on my mom's. On my mom's... They're from Europe. Your mom's first generation? I think her parents were born here, so, uh, okay. yeah. Oh, so, wait, they are... So, if they're so born I, here, you're third. I am third, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You're third. So I am. Well, her parents were first generation. Yes. So she's second, you're third. Yeah. Third generation. Yeah. Proud to be an American, but they moved here in like around like the 30s, 40s. Sure. But that's still third generation. The, yeah. only reason, the reason yeah. I ask is because I am first generation on my father's side. My father was born in Italy. Mm-hmm. My mother's parents um, were both born in Europe, Romania, and my grandmother was. She tells me, hung, she used to tell me she's from Hungary, and then a couple of years later she said she was from Czechoslovakia, which are both right there. Well, because they had to flee. Well, also because, yeah, they're, both of my grandparents on my mom's side were in the Holocaust, so, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in that, losing memories, obviously, that could happen, but... But um, because you know what happens with a lot of the survivors, they kind of lose their identity, you know, they've kind of been on the run, they had to flee their yeah. homes, and they come to the U.S., well, it ruins most of their, you know, if they were children, their childhood's kind of mm-hmm. taken from them. Or if they're older, you know, you, you lose four years of your life in, in a dramatic fashion. Mm-hmm. And think about your, how your mind goes through all that stuff. But anyway. Are they still around? Uh, no. My mom's father passed when she was 16. Um, but he, he came to uh, the U.S. They both li- they lived in Brooklyn, actually, too. That's how my mom and dad met. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother... I want to say she passed um, about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was, she, way after my grandfather passed, she lived by, you know, my, after she took care of my mom and her brother, my uncle, she lived by herself in Brooklyn for years and years and years and years and took care of herself. And she never got a license. She, she you know, she took the train everywhere. Mm-hmm. She shopped. She was like pretty cool. She went out like dancing with mm-hmm. like her friends. She was like a cool little like grandma that I used to visit all the time. Always single and chilling. But yeah. Single and ready to mingle. Yeah, she was. She was cool. <laughs> yeah, my grandma passed away twenty thirteen and that was my last grandparent. Oh wow. She's kinda nuts. Yeah. I only have one I have one no, last right now. And I mean like she was like Oh, she was nuts. Okay. <laughs> I think I spoke to that with, with your parents a little about that actually. <laughs> well, cause all my first cousins are like old, like some of them are like 10, 15 years older than you. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm. Oh, like, your dad told me that too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest in the family. Like one of my first cousins as a child, a year older than me. Because <laughs> my dad's brother is so much older than him. So you have one sister? One sister. And she is in Chicago, right? Yeah. And she's how old? 22. Okay. 
It's my my big sister. Your big sister that you love so much. I do. <laughs> Shout out Maxine. Just kidding. She'd never listen to this. Yeah. And <laughs> I have a uh, older brother who's a firefighter in Newark, Michael, mm-hmm. and I have a younger sister who actually works for XM Radio, uh, Gabrielle, who, um, yeah, she's doing great right now. She's like producing shows for XM Radio right now. And losing and her mind, but loving life. <laughs> Lives in Hoboken. You know, she's doing great. So, so sure l- l- let's segment off of this a yeah, little bit. Let's get back to um, what people want to hear. <laughs> so, um, so you moved from being a restaurant chef. Like, wh- what were some of your experiences working in restaurants? Uh, some of them were great. I mean, I think the first one of the first places I started at was a bar uh, in New Jersey. And basically, I was the bitch of the bar, if if I could say that. Uh, I worked with all, every guy in the bar was Spanish, mm-hmm. maybe maybe illegal, most likely illegal. I'm not even kidding. And they were like the guys who've been there for like 20 years, though. Mm-hmm. And the owner respects them, so you know he's like, I know you guys are illegal, but I'm gonna. You guys work hard. You do everything that's needed. And, you know, why would I, why would I get rid of you? Just, you know, you, you, I pay you a lot less, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but these guys were beasts, man. These guys were, I learned so much from them. Um, I worked like every station there. I worked the cold station to make salads. I worked the frying station, you know, I worked the grill Mm -hmm. and it was just a bar and it was just a good experience. If you want to just like learn how to, the temps of a burger or a steak or, you know, how to make French onion soup, mm-hmm. you know, how to chop a salad up together and, and put it together the right way and, and how to, you know, store things the right way, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was the odd man out. Like, talk about trying to, be, being a foreign person in the kitchen is when you're a skinny white kid who's 18 <laughs> working with all Mexican, you know, and Spanish mm-hmm. guys. But I loved it. And these guys, after like a couple months, you're sweating your ass off, you know, because it's 100 degrees outside. And there's no air conditioning in the kitchen. And the only ventilation you're getting is from opening the back door, basically. You know? So you walk in the walk-in sometimes just to try to get cooled down. So this is kind of my first experience. Um, and I, I took that from like, all right, I got to... This is great, but I need to move on from this and try something new. So um, I think my next experience was like working uh, at a pizzeria. Mm-hmm. And making fried calamari and all the chicken parm stuff we're talking about, like like the stuff like that, and that was equally gru- <laughs> grueling. But I mean, uh, there again, and you're working with all these foreign guys, mm-hmm. right? In every every situation, I think I've ever worked, so in, I've worked with foreign people. How well do you speak Spanish? I don't really well. You at didn't all. pick it up at all? Not at all. No, no. <laughs> they talk around me. They call me the gringo, and they make fun of me. And then they're like, <laughs> "You try to pick it up a little bit, but it, it's tough." You're in their territory, jefe. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I worked in um, bar, pizzeria. Uh, I worked at country clubs in New Jersey, uh, which is kind of great, actually. I've met some... I've worked at some private country clubs that I've met some cool people in. What what clubs? Uh, There was one called Eagle Oaks in Farmingdale, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And this was a private country club. It was beautiful. Uh, There was members like uh, Joe Pesci was a member. Wayne Corbett, which actually is an old wide receiver from the Jets. Bill Pesci. Yeah, I met him actually. He's uh, he seemed very old when I met him, but he was very quick. Still, <laughs> he made fun of me. He called me Shorty when I first when he first met me. <laughs> when he, and then he asked me to make him something. <laughs> <laughs> what other clubs did you work at? Uh, so that was the only country club I worked at. Um, I've also, I mean, so I worked at country clubs. I worked at hotels. Uh, I worked at um, corporate dining places, mm-hmm. Hess Gas in New York. Uh, I worked for Mr. Hess himself. I was his sous chef. Like Hess, like green Hess Gas, yes. The Hess trucks. Hess here. truck. Yep, that's it. I worked the for Hess him. Trucks back, and it's better <laughs> than ever. I got going. that for Christmas. <laughs> that was my Christmas <laughs> gift from Mr. Hess. Really? Yeah. I'm like, thanks for the bonus. <laughs> Those are my Christmas gifts. Um, so that was a cool experience. The chef that I worked for, for Mr. Hess, uh, her name was Chase. She was incredible. 
I learned a lot from her, even though I wasn't even there that long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's the executive chef for Yale right now, for the college um, in Connecticut, right? Yeah. Yeah. She is a, she's a great chef. Learned a lot from her. Uh, another, the next place I worked in New York was um, the London Hotel. Yeah, we've spoken about that a little bit. The London Hotel was great. Talk about a great experience. I, you know, I, working for a union house, I think we talked about this with Kurt a little bit, Mm-hmm. is insane because they get paid so well they work as lo- as little as they want or as much as they want and if you don't gain their respect they mm-hmm. basically can fuck you in so many ways <laughs> so so now you've kind of segmented into being a private chef i have yes so i've taken all these experiences i've even worked at uh, a whole foods at some point in my life too for a certain amount of time and you see all these things and you s- and mm-hmm. And I think what's also rounded me to be um, a private chef and, and, and have a nutrition knowledge in what I'm doing is my brother's a body, was a bodybuilder, um, but also um, lives his life as a bodybuilder as far as like nutritional wise and, mm-hmm. you know, how he eats his food. Um, and I think I've learned a lot from him uh, in that sense on how I kind of portion foods for people if, if they want to get stronger or thicker or they want to stay leaner. Does that make? Is that funny? <laughs> is that funny? That, that just would have been a good. That's what she said, Joe. Oh, well, you could say it. That is what she said. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of my knowledge comes from my my family. My mom, uh, she was um, she worked sales at a lot of gyms in her life too. So I got to talk to a lot of people that are in the um, the training world um, about food too. So, yeah, I have a lot of um, people in my life, even though I don't have a nutrition or food science degree. My brother has a food science degree, and I, I pick their brains about stuff. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, you read a lot about um, random things as far as what's good and what's not good anymore. And, uh, you know, that's where I round myself in being a chef and the nutritional knowledge that mm-hmm. I have. And that's what I take into the private world if people want that in my private world. So what are like the best and worst parts of being a private chef? Uh, it's a roller coaster. You could be really busy and then you could be dead too. So you need to, um, you know, push yourself to where you want to be as far as getting the clients you want, keeping the clients in, in that sense. You know, there's no guarantee if someone's like, I need you for the whole year this day or for three days this the, for this year that three months after you work with them, they could just be like, uh, yeah, I overstepped that. I don't need you anymore. You know, they could do that. You don't have like a written contract? No, there's no written contracts. I can get into that at some point and try to get them, but I don't know if anyone would want that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think if a family did reach out to me and they're like, hey, we want you to be our private chef and our private chef only, then I'd write up a, then mm-hmm. I'd have to write up a contract. But right now it's like I'm still proving myself a little bit mm-hmm. to these people, so... But you're, I mean, you've currently got like a pretty good regular gig going on with the Archdiocese. I do. So yeah, I work for the uh, Archdiocese of Boston and I cook for um, about seven priests uh, four times a week. Um, yeah, they're f- it's fun. That's good. I I'm love doing I'm that. I'm sure they're excited for you to have kids. <laughs> Badum. <laughs> I think they like it if they're a little older. <laughs> All right, we'll get away from that. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're they're actually really good guys. They're all older. I mean, they're all in their 60s, 70s. Uh, one guy's in his late late 80s. But they prefer um, age to like seven, six. <laughs> you're still you're still on that, aren't you? Uh, no, nah, they're they're honestly good guys. They're all very accomplished. They a lot of them have written books, and one guy's like an ex- amazing. Um, like yoga instructor randomly he like teaches all over the world he's been he's like learned from uh, this guy like in from France and goes back every year and teaches with him it's like insane Um, so uh, obviously some of them are health conscious some of them are not some of them are dietary restrictions like crazy so I need to kind of go around all this like what what sort of dietary restrictions two of them two of them are lactose intolerant one guy does not eat red meat in any form no pork no beef no lamb, any of that stuff. Um, so my hurdles are more, when are these people here? 
uh, when I make the menu a week beforehand. Um, so how I work with them is um, the week I'm there, I make the menu for the week after. So I will write a menu for them for this week. And Friday, mm-hmm. when I leave Friday, because I'm off Saturday and Sunday, when I leave Friday, um, I leave them the menu I'm making for them next week and a grocery list of everything I need for that menu. And then they go to buy it or do you? They buy it. They buy all the groceries for me. So when I come in the next week, everything's there for me. Um, sometimes they miss a few things, and, and but they're great. They'll be like, hey, we'll go out and get it for you because we're going for a walk anyway. So, so the priests themselves go? The priests are great, yeah. They're friendly. They, they, they pop their head in every they once in a while. They don't have like servants that go for them? <laughs> that's what I would do if I were like a powerful priest. Yeah. I, well, I, that's I, why you're not a priest. <laughs> you wouldn't get accepted into the priesthood. <laughs> I'd be like, get it for me now. Yeah. <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> oh, man. You sound like a, <laughs> like a third world country leader. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nicolas Maduro from <laughs> Venezuela. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I do. I mean, um, that's my regular gig, and then I have part-time stuff. I have a a couple parties coming up for various things, random weekend parties. Uh, Mother's Day, I have a party set up for already. Um, and all these people have dietary restrictions, and I send them menus, and they send it back. They deny some, and then I have to send them another one. So like, if if you're doing a party... Like, do you have, like, a standard menu that you roll with that's just, like, proven? Uh, like I mean, Do, do you do more really. fancy food, or do you, will you do, like, fun stuff, too? It all depends, man. It all depends. I mean, I've done uh, vegetarian parties. I've done uh, no... It's all... Everyone has restrictions in so many ways. There's a... Uh, God bless you. Uh, everyone has restrictions in so many ways. There's, there's so many restrictions that people have. Uh, the party I'm doing for Mother's Day, take for instance, the, um, it's a family, uh, with the grandparents. So it's six people, uh, that's including the two children that are young actually. So the two young kids, I will make like meatballs and uh, spaghetti and meatballs for, or like chicken fingers and string beans Mm -hmm. or something. And then for the four adults, the grandfather has a restrictions. He doesn't eat anything. He doesn't eat any dairy. Um, he doesn't eat. He doesn't eat any dairy, and he doesn't. He doesn't like um, any proteins. So he's. But he likes fish. He does eat fish. So I have to make him something that's specifically either fish or vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So going back to the eggplant parm, like eggplant parm wouldn't work for him because of the cheese. But I so he actually so I'll tell you something I made for him um, the first time I did a party for him. I've worked for the, this family for a couple times for a couple parties, mm-hmm. um, and I made them a menu. And the woman's like, "Oh, we can't." I made a capri- I said caprese salad was the first um, was the first course on the menu. Mm-hmm. She's like, "You can't do cheese and and blah 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 blah." And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, "All right, so let me refine this that I don't use cheese." Maybe I, and it's in the summer. This is in the summer too. So I made this salad that I thought was awesome that, um, I've made a couple of times since that I've tried on them and they were incredibly happy for, um, it was a vegetarian, even vegan caprese salad. How would you think how you make a vegan caprese? Take a guess. What Just do you do? Tomato. And? Balsamic. <laughs> Okay, so here's my, this is how my own works, right? So you need something to substitute for the cheese, right? You need something to substitute for the cheese. Can, can you use goat? Because people who are lactose intolerant can typically have goat milk, right? So that's a great, that's great uh, observation on your part. You can do that, but I went a whole nother route with this. I did... Don't say soy or anything. No, like no, 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 no. I did a um, heirloom tomato, avocado mango... Ba- fresh basil, um, white balsamic vinaigrette, caprese. Sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. So I did that, and I sliced everything really thin. So it's kind of like, you know, um, a layer cake in some way. And they went crazy for it. So, like, there's so many things that, um, how my mind works, I, I go in so many different routes with it, you know? And doing this for the years that I have now, I have like fun with it and I'm like, oh, you know, let me try this. 
even though I don't know it is going to work 100%, in my mind, in my mm-hmm. taste buds, I taste things like while well, I'm thinking about them. Even though I'm not, ta- you know what I mean? Even though I'm not putting them in my mouth, going through my brain is like almost putting them through my taste buds. So would you say that you're your own biggest hype man? Yeah, I feel like I'm hyping myself up right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know your body posture. You're now like sitting yeah. up. Your, I feel like, you're like, said, you're uh, like oh, I'm a great chef. I'm pretty fucking good at what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you I'm just sat good. there like slowly just like yeah. I think complimenting my wife, yourself. My wife's my biggest hype man though. She's like, like I'll make her food and she's like, this is really good. And I'm like, you're damn right it is. <laughs> but no, I mean, I enjoy um, the the one of the reasons why I really like working for the priests is they're as much as they have dietary restrictions, mm-hmm. I do sh- different shit for them every week. Every single week mm-hmm. I make something new for them. Or at least something that I haven't made for them in months. And I think they appreciate that. Well, and soon you're going to be preparing for two two clients regularly, every day. I know. A lot of pure days for those two clients. So, yeah, I was talking to your to your wife, Anna, and she said you were very excited because you got like a Nutribullet. Or what would you get? Uh, it's a Vitamix. And it has like special... Actually, no, the, the, it's a Nutribullet. You're right. So it's a Nutribullet that has all these different... Um, pieces so i can make like literally like six purees a week mm-hmm. in these uh things that i'm like i'm mixing with and leave them in the containers that i mix them in and put them in the fridge or the freezer so have you have you been trying like recipes and made stuff one already yet. i haven't made one yet because i already know they're going to be on uh either the boob or um or whatever they're gonna well, have to th- they're breastfeeding for what six weeks well no you you I'd like, it all depends if they even, there's so many factors that go into it. Are they going to, you know, are they going to latch on? Are they going to like the milk? Do you need to put, um. Wait, do babies not like milk? No, most babies like milk and most babies need milk, but some babies don't latch on to the boob right away or they just, some of them don't. (laughs) Listen, I'm talking like a doctor now. I think the most important thing, um. I'm not laughing at that. I just think the topic is funny. I'm still yeah. immature. I think, no, it's funny because so many people that are listening are just like, this is ridiculous. And some are like, wow, this is so interesting because I'm in this. Everyone's <laughs> in such different phases in their life <laughs> that it's even my, fr- like when I talk to some of my friends, mm-hmm. some of them are like, oh man, that's a lot. And then some of them that have kids are like, yeah, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. This makes so much. And I'm like, it's, it's so funny because I think a lot of, I was one of these guys, right? Like you're a single guy, your friends are getting married and having kids and all this other stuff. And when you're single, you don't want to even be really like, you're like, should I be involved? You know, eh, I don't want to call him because he's busy or, you know, let me, let me let him do his thing. Cause I know he's got a lot going on right now. I think the b- biggest misconception about being single and not understanding is these people would love to hear from you. Don't hesitate to reach out to them. I think. So for all of Matt's friends, please bombard <laughs> him. I, I reach out to a lot of them already. I mean, I think I, I bother a lot of my friends sometimes because I'm, I'm a caller, not a texter. See, I prefer to call, but you always text me. You're like, be there in four. Oh, well, we're meeting for this. I mean, it's for, for me to call you for this. That I'm like, hey, I'll meet you there. Like, I'd we know. like, okay. I, I confirmed this. Yeah, I confirmed this yesterday. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, th- <laughs> if I want to have a conversation with somebody, though, I hate the, like, texting paragraph bullshit. So so do you, do you call first or do you wait to be called? I think I'm a call first guy. See, I was a call first person. But then like two months ago, I was like, if my friends are my real friends, they'll reach out to me. They'll miss me. And what do you know? Nobody called. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. Some of them have. Yeah, I know. Now they're going to get pissed. (laughs) Uh, My mom gave me shit when she came to visit me last time. She's like, you don't call me enough. And I'm like, I call you at least (laughs) once or twice a week. I'm like, if I have to call you more than that, that's weird. But uh, are your parents excited? Oh, my parents are psyched. I mean, my mom is very psyched. My dad doesn't show any emotion, so I can't tell. <laughs> no, my dad's excited. I'm just kidding. My dad's excited, but my dad's that. The, the, the old, yeah, exactly. The exactly. He's the old school guy. Who, he, every other word he says is like, 
Eh, what do you do about it? You need a son. <laughs> you need to bring this on for Don Corleone. Yeah, he's not that legit. Dude, but but he's very... My dad is the most like laid back, never talk about anything kind of guy, unless you need to, that you'll ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. And my friends listening right now are laughing because they know him. And they're like, yeah, he's definitely that. But he's a stud. My dad's a stud. My dad's a good looking, <laughs> never not had a mustache, studly Italian older man that you'll see. He is. He's like the same weight he was in high school right now, my dad. So, uh, uh, ladies, yeah. if you happen to run into Matt's dad, he's taken. Yeah. My mom's still around, but she'd be happy for you to take him for a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> She's okay with it. <laughs> so, um, I think we're, we're about ready to wrap up. Are we? Wow, that went really quick. We'll keep, this, we'll keep this as part one because we're not done with questions. We'll do part two okay. some other time. Part thank, one. About thank you for joining The Spice of Life with Chef Stefan. I yep. want to thank our guest. Steph Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so today we went over. We just spoke a little bit about who Matt is. We talked about extra virgin olive oil. We talked about coconut oil, restaurants in New York, Boston, What's his favorite thing to cook? When did he start cooking? Is he married? How does he prepare a menu? You know, he's got he's yeah. got the private chef gig, the private chef gig, you know what he did before. So thank you for tuning in. I'm Stefan. I'm Chef Matt. Thank you for joining us, Matt. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.